reading today is from 1 Peter 1 verse 22 to 1 Peter 2 verse 3. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Karen. If you could have your Bibles open to First Peter as we go through it. Let's pray that God will speak to us through his living words. Lord, we give you great praise and thanks that you are God who speaks. And Lord, we know that when you speak, life springs up. And so, Lord, we pray that through these words, you would speak to us. That you would stir within our hearts a great craving for your word. Um, help us to taste that you are good as we come to it. And we pray that you would change us. In Jesus' name, amen. Having been a bachelor for a long time, uh, longer than I wanted to be, um, I had no idea how difficult it was actually to make a baby. Sorry, this doesn't seem to work. Uh, there, we go. Uh, there are so many unwanted pregnancies around the world. I mean, the number of abortions um, is appalling around the world, and I just didn't know how difficult it was. Um, as you know, I've learned personally that it's not easy, and we've seen this past week with Reese and Katura as we prayed for Micah, uh, how difficult it can, it can be. In fact, I've come to realize that every single one of us, every single time a baby is born, is living and breathing, that it's a miraculous work of God that each person is wonderfully and fearfully made. And that's what the psalmist says in Psalm 139, doesn't he? Um, how uh, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. But you know, this is not just of the physical birth. This is also of the spiritual birth. How wonderful is our spiritual rebirth? And some people hate using the language of being born again. But that is how the Bible talks about us. In fact, there's no other kind of Christian. If you are a Christian, you are born again. Paul uses this language in 2 Corinthians 4. Titus uses in uh, Titus 3. I mean, Paul uses in Titus 3. James uses the same uh, language in James 1. Jesus, of course, tells us in John 3 that we must be born again. And Peter uses this language here in verse 23. For you have been born again. 
not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. We are born again, and it is just as miraculous as our physical birth. And in fact, all other truths that's found on this passage is founded on that uh, that fact. It's built on that fact that we are a people who are born again. We are foreigners and aliens, not because we do something special, not even because we believe in something, but because God, when we came to Christ, when we heard the gospel, God made us a new people. God made us through the rebirth as a living people, living people of God. Sad in this world, it, is, it goes that deep. All that we do, all that we do as Christians, we do because we are born again. Because we are new people in Christ Jesus. We love, as we'll see according to this passage, we love because we are uh, born again Christians. We are born by the word of God. We rid our, uh, ourselves of malice and deceit and hypocrisy, envy and slander because we are born again. We crave spiritual milk because we know that that is where the life is as people who are born again. Just as amazing is our spiritual rebirth. I mean, uh, once again, as we come to Micah, and I just uh, been thinking about if if you don't realize how amazing this is, this is what would happen, what it is, how amazing this is. This rebirth, when Jesus speaks in John 11, he who believes in me will live, and even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. You know, we've been praying for Micah, and we've been praying that God will heal him. And we, we know that God has the power to do so, but, you know, even though he dies, he will live again. Right? That is the power of spiritual rebirth. That birth, that, that, that you have come to believe in Christ, that will raise you back up when Jesus comes back. All of us, even though we die, we will live again. That is how amazing that spiritual rebirth is. And that is the power of God's word. God's word went out and we were born again. Think about all the things that God's word does. God created the whole world by his word. We came to being by his word. When God acts, it is actually God's word acts. It's himself that acts. God, who uh, by uh, by his word commanded a light, in, a, a, a light out of darkness, gives us light of the knowledge of Christ. It is he who brought us to rebirth by, through his enduring, imperishable, living word of God. And I think, uh, I just want you to know that uh, with all of us, each one of us who has come to salvation, we've come because of what God has done, only because God has acted. This church exists because, only because God has acted and brought us to, uh, by his living word. And we will last because of this. But just as you are born into an earthly family, we are also born into spiritual family, aren't we? We're born into a spiritual family. And we share as family, spiritual um, family traits. If you know the Han family, You'll find us, most of us, I think, fairly smiley, laid-back people um, who one characteristic that uh, you will see in all of us is that we are terribly forgetful. 
and we forget our wallets, we forget our keys. I mean, for a while in college, I remember I forgot I lost my wallet. I didn't even realize I lost my wallet for an entire week until the police department called me and said, do you have your wallet? Oh, no, I don't. But most, more importantly, as God's word went out and we were given this rebirth, we then become a family in Christ. And because we are born through the same seed, God's spirit, uh, God's word, we then come to share family traits together. Um, as we saw uh, a couple weeks back in verse 21, holiness stems from that. Faith and hope in verse 21. Uh, come, it's family trait, isn't it? But, but uh, look where all, all, all of that should lead us to in verse 22. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. What it's saying is our obedience to the truth should lead us naturally into love. What it means is that our holiness, our being set apart, should naturally lead us into love. What it also means, I think, is that one can have the appearance of holiness without love, can we? People can try to be holy or set apart for all sorts of different motivations. We can try to obey God simply because we fear God. We fear God and we want to avoid being punished. Uh, we can try to be holy because it actually makes me feel better. It makes us feel better than other people. Um, but in a way, appearance of holiness, once again, isn't the mark, isn't the mark of being a Christian. What Peter says here is that all of that, as we obey the truth, as we set ourselves apart, actually all of that should flow into loving one another. If our obedience to the truth doesn't make us more loving, we can be sure that's not the truth that we are following. We're obeying. Love is the distinguishing mark of being a Christian and being a Christian family. This is because Christian love is just born as all of us are born, as Christians are born through the truth of the gospel. And the truth of the gospel says that we are deeply loved by God. And if our life springs from that, it will make us loving. It's the thing that should make us foreigners and strangers in this world, how much we love each other. And Peter tells us that we ought to be sincere in our love for each other. It's the kind of love that lacks pretense. It's not love in appearance only, but sincere, heartfelt love. It's something that we want to do. Our hearts are inclined towards. But actually, sincerity isn't the end of it, right? Peter goes on to say, uh, love for each other must be deep in verse 22. The Greek word there is sometimes used uh, to mean stretched or strenuous. It's the same word that describes how Jesus felt on the Garden of Gethsemane. It's the kind of love that gives you the motivation and strength to do the things that you thought that you never do. Uh, you know, waking up in the middle of the night to feed your baby, um, staying up and fasting for people that you don't actually know all that well. Love that makes you tired but still drives you to, towards self-sacrifice. It's that kind of love, that sort of strenuous, the stretched love that we are to have towards one another. Sincere and deep love. That's our family trait. 
And we see that, I think, in earthly families, don't we? You, know, you do things for family that you would never do for other people. But, you see, unlike our earthly family, Christian family, according to this passage, lasts forever. Verse 24, 25. All men are like grass, but the word of the Lord stands forever. What this means is that we have become family, and this family will last an eternity. eternity. Because we have been born of the imperishable seed. We're born of God. So if you look around you, left and right, these are the people that you will spend the eternity with. So Peter says, love each other now. You're stuck with them. Love each other now. Practice that sincere and deep love now. Because this will go on forever. And I could see, and once again, I think, how um, your outpouring of love towards Micah, towards the Owens, and bringing food, fasting, going to hospitals to visit. I could see that. But there's room for growth, isn't there? There are people that you get on with in the church, and I think, once again, Owens is fairly easy. You know, we love Reese and Katra because as we see them, Joshua and the whole family, they're very lovable. But there are those in the church that you would rather not talk to, that you'd rather avoid, people whom you'd rather not have anything, anything to do with. And it seems to me that the way that you treat those people really marks you out as a Christian. After all, even pagans are good to those who are good to them. Do you love the people around you with sincere and deep love what marks you out as foreigners and strangers in this world? Is that what marks Shatin Church out from the rest of the world? Are you stretched in your love for one another? Do you, at, at the very least, do you meet with other Christians? Because love is a relational thing, isn't it? You can't love on your own. It's always a good reminder. Does our holiness lead us towards love? Or does it lead to self-righteousness and smugness and superiority? Does our knowledge lead us to love? Or does it lead us to pride, doctrinal purity, obedience to the truth? If that does not lead to love, well, it's useless. Is that us? Is that Shatin Anglican Church? If you think, how do we start loving? Well, actually, Peter does go on to go give us some tips how we start loving in the beginning of chapter 2. He goes on to say, Therefore, because you are an eternal family together, therefore, rid yourselves. And he gives us a list of the things that we should get rid of in our fellowship. Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. You know, there are many lists of vices in the New Testament, but this list is slightly different from others, isn't it? Because most, all of these uh, pertains to um, relationship with others. Malice is ill will towards others. Deceit and hypocrisy are um, opposite of sincere love. It's sort of loving in appearance only. It's loving or doing things to get uh, get uh, get something from other people envy hinders love too doesn't it instead of rejoicing in other people's good and the things that are happening we um, we uh, uh, 
we, we become selfish and we self-pity. That's what envy is about. Slander is cutting down other people through lies. Peter tells us, if we are to be a community of love, these things need to be cut out of our fellowship. And let's not kid ourselves. There is this in Shatin Church too. Although we're born of God, we're still sinful. Uh, there's, there's still sinful self uh, within us. So ask yourselves, which one do I struggle with most? Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. But I hope, I hope you see that there is a difference in Shatin Church. Because, once again, because not we try harder. Not because we're trying hard to do this, but because God has given us rebirth. Because what we are is, we are because of what God has done in us. There is a difference, and I hope you sense that there is a difference. And if you don't see the sense of difference, just think about actually how the world is. Think about how your workplace, unfortunately, might be. But many of the family uh, are, are like. Unfortunately for some of you, this is how the wor- uh, workplace is. Think about malice, people wishing bad things for you. Hypocrisy and deceit, saying one things and actually backstabbing you, smiling one way actually, but doing something that undermines you. Isn't that, some, isn't that familiar in the workplace? Um, envy, isn't that strife? You know, when you get a promotion, people go, wow, they want to cut you down, slander. That goes on in the workplace as well. And unfortunately, how some families work out in the world, that's how it works. Of course, we're not perfect, but there is a difference in a Christian community. People, uh, a, a community full of people who are born again. We are a family, not because we try really hard. We are a family because what God has done in us. There is this supernatural sense that brings us together. You know, I was in a dinner yesterday and talking about just sort of um, just not a person who's not a Christian. I mean, recognize that there is something special in the Christian community because there is no other community like it. It's not we're striving to do something special together. There is a transformed aspect of our meeting together, and it's something only God is, uh, can do, and something that God is doing in this community. And I hope you, you, you're able to see that. And I think that is why many of you love this church, even though we're not perfect. But we also see the lack, and we also think, to ourselves, how can we continue to grow? How can we continue to grow? How do we continue to grow in uh, our faith, hope, and love? How do we get rid of malice and deceit and envy, hypocrisy, slander of every kind? How do we continue to grow so that we become a family of people who love each other sincerely and deeply? And I think this is very, very surprising that Peter doesn't go on to say, try harder. Peter doesn't go on to say, love more, love deeply and love more sincerely. Try harder to get rid of malice and envy and all these things. Instead, what does he say? What, uh, it, 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 he goes on to say, crave spiritual milk. It's a surprising turn, isn't it? Crave God's word. 
in order to grow in our salvation, we must feed from God's word. And that makes sense. He told us from the very beginning, the way that we became a Christian is through God's word. God's word made us, uh, uh, re, uh, made us alive again in Christ. The source of rebirth is the enduring word of God. And so he goes and says, feed from that, crave that word. It's not how we're just born. We're nourished by that word. Crave spiritual milk. And that word um, translated as spiritual. Well, spiritual here isn't some nebulous, undefined, just sense of uh, spiritual aura. That's not what he's talking about. The spiritual um, in Greek is actually logikos. Uh, it's uh, the same word that you get from logos, the word. Right? It's word, word, wordly milk. Crave God's word is what he's saying. And the milk, and milk is not uh, sort of icing on the cake, something that you um, want to eat after you've had your meal. It's absolutely necessary. It's absolutely necessary for survival of a baby. What does a baby do when he gets hungry, when he craves milk? He cries. You can't ignore it. He cries. He cries until he gets food because his survival depends on it. And so it is with Christian. Our rebirth depended on it. Our maturity depends on this, that we read and learn God's word together. Reading and learning God's word is not an optional thing. So we come each Sunday to partly hear God's word from the pulpit, but also so that you might speak God's word to each other. This is why in small groups we don't just meet and, 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 and pray and fellowship together. That's part of what we do, but we also read God's word. We feed on God's word together. This is what happens in Kingdom Kids Now and Revelation Warriors Now. And this is why we think that discipleship needs to be around God's word together because we need to absolutely feed on his word for us to grow Remember how you first became a Christian and when you became a Christian, how you craved God's word, didn't you? You loved reading the Bible taught. I mean, I do one-to-ones with a uh, uh, good number of people um, in this church and the people that I love doing one-to-ones most with, it's actually young Christian, new Christian. You know why? Because they come and they want to learn. They, they see the nourishment that's in the scripture. Remember the love that you had for God's word? Well, that's not just for um, infants. We need to be craving God's word together. That's, that's how we grow. Crave spiritual milk. And once again, if you think about all the garbage that we consume each day, advertisements, magazines, and news, you know, I don't go a day without reading the news. It's just something that I do. I developed a craving for it because actually I read it all the time. I know what's going on. I want to know more. You know what? If you don't crave God's word, it might be that you're not reading enough. You're not tasting that the Lord is good enough. Keep on reading. As you read, you will develop a taste for God's word. And if you don't have it, you will want it. So start reading. Start reading with other people. Start teaching it with other people. Read and feed on God's word. Because when we teach, 
taste, what we taste when we read is the Lord. What we taste when we read is that the Lord is good. Friends, we are a people who are born again. This means where we are inclined towards loving each other, deep and sincere love. But in order to grow as a Christian, we can't just try harder on our own. We need to go back to the source. Source of our rebirth. Source of our nourishment. And it is by God's eternal, imperishable, and living word. We are born, and so we must feed on it and crave it, uh, crave it and, and taste it for when we do we will taste that the Lord is good and we will grow to be like him. Let's pray. Lord, we give you great praise and thanks that you have revealed yourself in your son. You have revealed yourself in the scripture. Lord, help us to grow. Help us to crave your word. Help us to feed on it. Help us to make it a necessity in our lives. For only when we come to know that you are good through these words will we grow to love, will we grow to get rid of our sins. We thank you for the gift of your word, and we pray now that you will make us a people of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.